Welcome, and thank you for joining us on the Harvest Lakeshore podcast. Harvest Lakeshore is a redeemed family who loves God and loves others. For more info about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. We'll be reading this morning from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 4 through 10. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Bonnie. All right. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> I'm not here to do announcements, just so we're all on the same page. That's usually why I'm up here. Um, but to introduce myself, my name is John Wearsby. Um, I, along with Jamie and Wes, uh, am an elder here at Harvest Lakeshore. Uh, and one of the things that we talked about as uh, we were meeting and talking through our identity statement was just an opportunity for um, not just Jamie, but Wes and myself also uh, to engage in preaching, uh, preaching out of uh, what we saw in the building of the identity statement, uh, how God was bringing things to light to us. And so um, it's my joy to come and uh, teach today about family. Um, our identity statement starts with who we are, um, and that's what we started off with last week, redeemed, and today we look at family. Uh, and these first two words in our identity statement really is the foundation of understanding who we are, um, because the who really drives the what, and that, that what is what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. Um, but we need to grasp our understanding. We need to grasp who we are. We are a redeemed family. And understanding our foundation then establishes how we are to love God uh, and love others. One of the pastors uh, that we got to um, be under for several years, uh, he was a very animated man in the way he used his uh, hands and arms. Uh, he really had a full body workout, I think, as he preached. Um, but one of the pictures that stands out to me the most uh, is when he was talking about 
God's love, God's love being sent down. And there's this vertical experience that we receive because God pours his love down into us. And us, in turn, we pour back our love um, in the way that we can back to him. And then that vertical then becomes the horizontal. So as we are brought in by God and redeemed by him, we love him, and that pours out to the love around us. And so with that picture, um, let's continue to focus in on what it means to be uh, a family uh, and better understanding that identity piece as well. Because uh, family, if we think about it and consider it, is quite honestly a cross-cultural experience of sorts. Um, I, uh, I talked to my dad about kind of getting ready for uh, preaching. Um, he, he pastored for, for many years, and that was one of the things he, he told me was family is a cross-cultural experience. And he actually started telling me a little bit about uh, him and my mom and what their kind of worlds look like uh, in colliding. Uh, and it made me think about Jess and I, too, um, back when we were dating. Uh, we had a lot of similarities, uh, Jess and I did, at the outset um, that we realized um, both of our fathers were uh, pastors, um, so we got to know what it was like to be um, pastor's kids. Uh, just as the oldest of six kids, I'm the oldest of one kid. Um, but uh, there are a lot of differences between us as well. Um, probably one of the, the things that I think about uh, at the beginning of how different things are is what we did when we experienced the month of March. Um, to just March didn't really mean a whole lot when we first started dating. For me, it meant March Madness and indulging myself in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so one of the evenings when the Final Four was going on, we actually went bowling with a group of friends. Uh, thankfully, the game was above the bowling alley, so it looked like I was fully engaged in what was going on as I was watching the game. Uh, but my favorite basketball program, Duke, was playing Maryland, not to get too specific. But uh, the first half, they did not play well. They were down by quite a bit, actually. They made a bit of a run uh, at the end of the first, and then the second half, they actually took the lead, went on to win. Um, as that was happening, I was getting more and more animated. Hard to believe me animated, but it does happen with Duke basketball games. And so um, it was a ton of fun for me to watch them win, for us to be engaged, to do the bowling thing. Um, but just kind of looking at me is like, what is this whole basketball thing, right? It wasn't a part of what she did as a family, but it was very much a part of what I did. Uh, and so when we talk about family, there's this recognition of we have a very uh, dim view of what it means to be in God's family because of a lot of our experiences, both for the good and for the bad, drive how we view what it means to be in God's family. And so I just want to recognize family means a lot of different things to each one of us based on our, our experiences and our perceptions. And so uh, my hope is, as we talk about being a redeemed family, we see the goodness and the grace and the love of God bringing us into his family today. And to the end, um, let's take a moment here and let's pray. Lord, thank you that you um, are our foundation through Christ, that you have brought us in as your children, Lord. I pray that we would see you uh, in a greater way, 
that we would see your amazing love poured out to us, Lord, and that we would be filled by your love in such a way that that love overflows to those around us. Uh, give us uh, clarity of mind and just open heart, Lord, to however you might uh, engage this word for us today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so um, jumping into First Peter, kind of the landscape where we're going today, is we want to make sure that we've got an understanding of how God has purposely planned and constructed his family, what we gain by being chosen to God's family, and given those truths, how being in God's family really sets, sets the stage for us to engage with those who are or are not yet fellow heirs. So throughout the Bible, uh, we get to see lots of pictures of what it means to be a part of God's family. Um, back in 1 Corinthians 12, we've got that picture, right, of many members, one body, joined together, having various responsibilities. Um, we see that word picture. And a couple times, in, uh, specific in this section of verses, we actually see the um, image of a family of God being described as building a structure, um, that structure that's being built up is being that of uh, living stones. And so this picture shows that we are founded and united, founded on Jesus and united in Jesus. Uh, and that's the picture that we're going to dive into today. Uh, when he starts talking about these particular stones, one is called out. Uh, if we go to verse 4, uh, we see that a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious is that of Jesus Christ. And so as Peter is writing this to his audience, he's specifically calling out Christ as um, specifically chosen by God, and God sees Jesus as precious. So uh, just taking a couple minutes to really uh, kind of hone in on what does it mean to be chosen and what does it mean to be precious. So the word chosen uh, really conveys, conveys rather purposefulness, intentionality. Um, there's a deliberate action that happens. And so Jesus is deliberately identified God the Father has intentionally chosen Jesus um, to do the work that he has planned for him. Connect that with then precious. Um, the preciousness that we see here is that of being flawless and valuable. In fact, if you go back a few verses um, in chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, it says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Even in that verses, it's this um, interesting tension, right? Because you've got silver and gold, and we call those what? Precious metals. Um, and so there's uh, the fact that those are uh, things that we don't perceive as being something that wears away. But the context or the construct is such that those are things that are going to go away. But here's the preciousness of Christ, the flawlessness of Christ, and that is going to sustain all throughout time. And so we see that God has chosen Christ who, um, who is precious. And he's chosen um, Christ for a purpose. And that purpose is 
that he is going to be the cornerstone. So again, we've got this picture of building a structure. In order to build that structure, we need to make sure that it's set up foundationally sound so that nothing breaks away. Uh, cornerstone is not necessarily something that we talk about all that often, right? That's not a part of our, our daily engagement, but we did sing about it and we see it here in these verses and others throughout the Bible as well. Um, but the cornerstone is critical for properly setting for a mason how everything else built around it is appropriately and accurately built. Everything rests on making sure that that cornerstone is set up in the right way and that it's built in such a way that all other things stand upon that. So it's not just a simple stone um, that can be in whatever form that it is. Again, it is specifically chosen, it is specifically precious, and it's set up so that way we have a firm foundation. And it is such that it's for those who believe it is our foundation, right? We see examples uh, throughout the verses here of for man, it was rejected. That cornerstone was rejected. And it becomes a stumbling block for those um, who do not believe. But for us, for those who believe, it is our firm foundation, Right, Jesus Christ, through his life and death and resurrection, is the foundation for our faith. Our belief that we are in need of a Savior and that Jesus' perfect life, without sin or blemish, precious, his selfless sacrifice on the cross where God's wrath was poured out upon him, and his resurrection back to life, conquering the sin and death that existed, is what we stand on. And that's really the picture of the Bible that we see, whether you go back to Genesis and you see that God promises that there will be one who crushes the head of the snake, we are looking forward to that Savior to come. And we see that Savior come in Christ, and that accomplished work is what sets the foundation. Colossians 1, 19 through 22 talks about this, for in him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled, he's redeemed in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. We see the preciousness of Christ and the preciousness of Christ and him being chosen is what we get to stand on. So today we are able to be founded on Christ and being built up because we are one in him. Uh, Ephesians 2, 19 uh, through 22 talks about this as well. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And here, very similar to our passage, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So we get to see that God is building us up together. And we can be assured of this because in verse 9, which takes us to the next point, we have been brought into the family of God. 
we have brought into, been brought into the family of God. And because of that, we now have a new standing. Specifically, we too have been chosen by God. So if we go to verse 9, uh, we see here, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We have brought, been brought into a special uh, context we get to see here. And again, it's this connection back to God chose Christ, and now we get to see that we also are chosen. That's a unique place to be in. That's, that's God the Father seeing the work that his son did and choosing us to be a part of this people for his own possession. His family is his treasure, and we as his family and as his treasure are seen as precious, just as he saw Jesus as precious as well. So we have been chosen. We have been brought into that family of God. And because we've been brought into the family of God, we now have a different standing than what we were. This is what we see in the second half of verse 9, as well as in through the um, whole of verse 10. We have a new standing because of God's choosing. It says, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light? Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There's a lot that we see that we've moved from and to. We've now moved out of darkness into light. We don't see a lot when we're in the darkness, but God has shown his light upon us and we've been brought into his light uh, so that we might marvel at him. We were once not a people. Uh, talks about aliens and the other verses that we've gone through, whether that be Colossians or even Ephesians. Aliens, not with anybody else, on our own and separate. But God, in his love, has brought us in, and now we are God's people. We are his family. And at one time, we did not receive mercy. In fact, we didn't even know what mercy meant. But now we are a people who receive mercy. God has chosen us, and because of his choosing, we are no longer in darkness. We are no longer homeless, and we no longer are lacking in mercy. And that is our new standing, not because of anything we did. It's because of God's unmerited love that he showed us um, in bringing us in. Right in Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, it talks about, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Um, even in that verse, saying, seeing that we were once dead in our trespasses, dead people aren't able to do a lot of things. I know there will be movies coming out next month that might say otherwise, right? But God chose and did the action to bring us out of death into life. We were brought out of darkness into light, not a people, but now God's people, not having received mercy, but now we receive mercy. We are placed in a whole nother category because God chose us and brought us in. 
So those are the uh, two big pieces uh, as we look at this passage here in 1 Peter 2, um, that we are founded and united in Christ. And because of that, we see that we uh, now have been brought into God's family and have a new standing. So it begs the question, as we think about uh, ourselves, what do we see as our identity? What really defines our identity each and every day? We play a lot of different roles. Um, we're responsible for various things, and so we definitely need to make sure that we're delivering in those roles and responsibilities. But how do we start thinking of who we are? Are we defined by the roles we play or the group or circles that we run in? What if first we are to see that through Jesus' finished work and as a child of God, our identity starts there? And then if our identity starts there, how does that push us to engage with those who are both in and out of the church? Right, the love, mercy, and grace we received, that being chosen, that was God's unmerited love. We were dead in our trespasses. And so we didn't come to the Father uniquely. Um, we came to the Father because, again, of his choosing. So if that's our standing, what mercy and grace might we give those who are around us in the church and remind one another of those truths? For those who are not yet heirs with us, who do not believe uh, in God, what grace could we show them? Do we first believe that they should be at the place we are? Or do we need to start with where they're at? And remember, where they're at is that place of darkness, that place not being a people, that place not having received mercy, them being dead in their trespasses. If we understand that that's where people are at, let us move to them and try to show them the light that there is hope in and not just expect that they would be at the place we are at because we didn't gain that standing. We were chosen by God and brought to that place. Um, the other piece that we can remind ourselves as we go from here is that we can rehearse the gospel to ourselves and rehearse the gospel to those around us. If we think about small group engagements and opportunities to um, be with others who believe, right? we can point one another to Christ. We can point one another to, we are a family of God. We are being built up as living stones. and We're being built up in such a way that we're founded on Christ and his finished work. Um, we can remind ourselves of that. So when we go from place to place to place, our identity isn't found in what we need to accomplish there. It's our identity is founded in what's already been accomplished through Christ and God's bringing us into his family. So that's my hope for this week as we go forward, that we would remember as a family of God, we have been united and founded through Christ and that we have been chosen and have a new standing because of God in bringing us into his family through Christ. With that, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your truth of your word. That the truth of your word is the thing that we can stand upon because it is true. Because you have shown yourself to us through it. 
And through your showing, Lord, we see that we have received grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy, because of you, Lord, because of your choosing, because of your action. And we can leave this place knowing that we are precious, Lord, in your sight because of what Christ has done. Thank you for this truth, and may it drive our actions uh, today and every day because we get to be called children of God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Harvest Lakeshore podcast. If you have found this content helpful, consider sharing the episode with friends or leave us a rating and review. For more info about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. You are loved. Thank you.